passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to another week of the Cape Cod Pod. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I am here live in studio at lovely Lowell Park in Katuit, Massachusetts. We are actually recording this podcast on site in the Cape Cod League for a game. I'll be down here all week. So, uh, Peter, welcome to the show. It's the first time we've recorded in person. And we're coming off the All-Star game. So we've seen each other a few times over the last couple of days. I was going to say, we've had a few in-person meetings. It's our first live show, so to speak. As Jeff mentioned, we're in Kituit. We'll be taking Kituit and Brewster tonight. And I'm fired up to do it live. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we got one of the bigger events of the season, if not one of the biggest the biggest event, maybe the Cape Cod season. Um, now that Fenway Day is a little bit different than it used to be. But the All-Star game took place uh, this Saturday in Harwich at beautiful White House Field, which was great because there was plenty of parking. It was a little bit easier to move around than it was in Wareham. I had the whole family out there. Uh, all my kids everyone was kind of enjoying the day. Beautiful weather, good home run derby. Uh, you know, Tibbs certainly showed out. Um, but what was your takeaway from sort of the day, not necessarily the game, but the All-Star Game day? Because I think it's more about the total festivities, Kids out there getting autographs. I know my little guy was running around trying to capture every player who's ever played in the 2023 Cape Cod League with an autograph. Um, but yeah, we got to see some great talent as well. Yeah, I mean, all-star games is, in general, I think are a lot of fun. You mentioned the festivities. It's kind of a laid-back environment for the players. You get the best of the best of the best, kind of all under one roof, on one field, so to speak. And they can kind of let loose and get to know each other on a personal level, maybe make some new friendships. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun to watch kind of the best college baseball players that are still playing right now um, all in one game. And the home run derby was outstanding. James Tibbs took home the title. Hunter Hines actually uh, hit the most total home runs of any player. He had 13, but the way that the derby is formatted, Tibbs was able to take home the title. Um, but just the day as a whole was a lot of fun. Um, Harwich did a great job. The Cape League did a great job, as they always do, and it made for a really fun time. Yeah, and I think it's like Hines was like the the victim of the home run derby circumstance that we've seen so many times where somebody, you know, mashes in the first round when he had eight in the first round, 
then five in the second, you know, and ultimately loses because somebody had a better second round, even though he had the better, you know, total numbers. I thought an interesting wrinkle, and I don't think I remember this from last season. I think this is new this year, was the extra allotted time in the home run derby for the uh, length of each home run. Yeah, I thought I think that was a new one. I, I think it was out, new. We have thirty to, seconds or whatever. Yeah, shout out to Baseball Cloud for that because they they are a new sponsor in the league this year. You can track <laughs> the distances a little better. Last year they didn't use Track Man, but this year we had Baseball Cloud, and so I think a couple of guys got the bonus thirty seconds for launching two or more home runs over four hundred twenty feet. Tibbs did it, um, and unsurprisingly, Hunter Hines did it. Brody Denae. Yeah, I trust Baseball Cloud. Brody Denae hit a couple that looked like they were well over 420 feet, but he didn't get the extra 30. But nonetheless, a new new wrinkle added in there um, that made it more fun to follow and, and intriguing. Yeah, and if you know, you know, Harwich's field at all, these guys were, you know, Tibbs, Donay, uh, and Hines all hit balls like into the tree line, like in, like the ball landed among the trees. So it was beyond that sort of, you know, like, 20 foot space behind the walls there. Um, yeah, they were nukes. And I was actually sitting back there. I was in center field with my kids, you know, my, my little guy who's actually sitting in with us um, was chasing them around. So I was kind of watching as everything was coming in. It was like crazy to see some of those because Harwich isn't the easiest home run park, you know, um, especially in comparison to like Wareham where they had it last year. Orleans to dead center where I saw it in 2019 is awesome. impossible. We didn't see Tyler Hardman, I think, hit one out there just about. Um, but the lines in, like down the, down the lines, the poles are very short in uh, Orleans. It's a very unusual old school Fenway Park sort of setup in terms of the way, you know, the, the lines are set up. So it was really interesting just to see those guys, you know, absolutely mash. Yeah. Now, Oh, I was going to say, yeah. to your point, like what made it all the more impressive with Hines hitting 13, Tibbs is 12 total, Donay, I think, Donay hit 11 of the West Division's 13 total home runs, which was one of the most impressive stats of the day, I think. But to your point, Harwich is notoriously the, the biggest graveyard out here on the Cape. Um, to dead center, it's 400. It plays like it's 450. Down the lines are 330, and the gaps are really deep. And so for the fact that, especially for these right-handed hitters who are hitting balls into the trees, namely really just Brody Denae, the tree line and left is I'd say 20 to 30 yards beyond the fence in left field. And Denae was hitting tanks into the tree lines all day. And then with Hines and Tibbs, um, they, they hit a couple off the scoreboard and deep right center. Yep. So a really impressive showing in a not Homer friendly park. Yeah, exactly. Now let's move on to the game, right? Got a nine inning game. I would say that uh, there were a couple of, of tight moments there, I think in the fifth and then the seventh inning. Um, there were, I think, two runners on for the East Division. Uh, in the fifth inning, they were down by, I think, two to one or three to one at that point. And they ended up, you know, the West, as they had did all day, got out of a very tight situation. And then in the seventh inning, they actually had the bases loaded with no outs. And I think it was Ethan Lampeter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Was able to get out of that situation with a strikeout and then a ground ball out, double play, inning over, no runs crossed the plate. At that point, it was a four to one game. I remember looking over at my son here and saying, they got the bases loaded, there's no outs. If there's a home run right here, East is is up. So that was that was a tight moment in the game. 
After that, the final couple of innings, especially in the, I think it was top of the ninth was when Donay hits that double. West just runs away with it. It's seven to one. You look back on it over the first three innings. I think we're all clean innings actually for um, for the uh, uh, for the for the West Division as well. Their pitching staff didn't give up a hit until Oyama sort of like went out uh, in the fourth inning. So not a lot of of offense initially. Um, but as for the game, you know, I thought when you looked at the West lineup, not to say that the East lineup didn't have power and guys that you're interested in, guys are going to be picks. I thought that West lineup, that starting lineup, was loaded from top to bottom, you know. It was stacked. And kind of like to your point, the the West division this season has been, I'd say at least record-wise, a lot stronger than the East. Bourne, who's currently in fourth place right now in the West, they're 35 points. If they were in the East, they'd be in second. Um, so I think it just speaks to the depth of the West. And, I mean, up and down the lineup, 11 different players had hits. Derek Bender took home the MVP. He was two for three with an RBI. I was actually surprised it wasn't Brody Denae because I think mm. in terms of an individual at bat, he had the biggest impact of anyone in the entire game in the ninth. Jeff alluded to it. He destroyed a two-run double off the wall in dead center field to kind of break the game open and seal a win. But looking up and down the West, it's well represented with um, BA top 100 2024 draft guys with Vastine, Cameron, Jonathan Vastine, Cameron Smith, Derek Bender, Travis Pizzana, our probably biggest cheese ball and personal 1-1, uh, Carter Matheson, Trey Lipsy. I mean, they were eight to 10 guys deep for the entirety of an all-star game, which is really hard to do. Even Grant Hussey, who, you know, he's a great player and probably be a top five to seven round draft pick as a reserve. He went two for two. And then pitching wise, it was, it's kind of tough to, to isolate these pitching performances because up here, a lot of them, I mean, these guys are staying for the summer. So the coaching staffs up here are almost treating them like bullpens and side sessions. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to look at them and, and you kind of have to take them with a grain of salt. But the guys who I, I think the listeners would have expected to have done well did really well. Cam Hill and Joey DiChiaro, the starters for the West and East squads, respectively, threw perfect first innings. DiChiaro, I'd say I was maybe the pitcher I was most impressed with um, on the day. I, it's unfortunate timing because he was recently released. But kind of what makes him great and what's made him so effective this summer is his feel and ability to spin the secondary stuff. He ripped mm. off a couple of really good sliders. The changeup, I thought, flash plus. Yeah. Um, and then with Cam Hill, I mean, it's a really imposing 6'6 lefty coming at you from a difficult angle. I think I want to say he was up to 95, a couple plus sliders. I think he only threw nine pitches, so it's like you can't really talk about much. But he showed why he was, he was the starter for the West. And then they were, other than a, a rough outing in the fourth by Garrett Coe, which really was – you know, an infield RBI single from Joe Oyama was the extent of the damage for the East. Uh, the West was lights out and played a really complete game. So I was impressed by them. And then on the East, again, a little thinner, which is a byproduct of guys coming and going, who plays in the All-Star game. Uh, Joe Oyama, uh, deservedly so, taking home the MVP. As, as he's done night in and night out for Orleans, his fingerprints, again, were all over the box score for the East with the RBI infield single, a walk, a stolen base. Uh, showed really well in the field. So impressive showing for Oyama. Yeah, and I think one of the things, it's funny, you tweeted this during the game. Um, oh, yeah. About Kate and Kent. But, like, these guys are swinging during this game, too, where I think, like, 
you know, like you're going to be a little bit more passive in a normal game, in a, a win-loss scenario. You know, like this is a game where you're going to get an opportunity to see pitchers putting the ball in the zone. There's not a lot of guys that are walking batters, not throwing strikes. And you're going to see batters swing. You're going to see batters maybe swing at some pitches that they wouldn't typically swing at. Um, the other guy I wanted to mention, too, was Caden Bodine. Um, yeah. Started, you know, the game behind the plate. I thought was, this was my first time seeing him receive. The two times I've seen Bodine play previously, he's play, played third base or maybe played third base once in DH. So this is my first time sort of seeing him receive. And I thought the receiving skills were pretty good back then. Yeah, you know? he's, he's solid. I think, like, for most of for That's most, great. Yeah, for the coastal battery, or not even battery, the duo of Bodine and Bender, who they use behind the plate, I think they're offensive-minded. Uh, and bat first, I'd say Bodine's the better defender of the two. Yeah. Um, but it, most impressively is Bodine being a 2025 guy. And I think that next year he's got, you know, you can easily project on him having another monster season for Coastal. And he has Team USA written all over him, I think. Um, so any to anything that we get up here next summer from Bodine, I will treat as a big added bonus. Um, but he was excellent. And then circling back to the Caden Kent uh, point that you made, um, cause I had tweeted about it, but on Twitter, you know, you have the character limit, so you can't really actually explain stuff. So to set the stage, it was, I think it was four to one West squad in the eighth inning. Kane Kent had a three, one count with two outs and it was a, it was an easy spit for him at the plate, a really easy take. He could have had a walk if he wanted to. Um, but instead of taking his base, taking the free base, he swung aimlessly, not a poor swing decision. He just wanted to stay in the box and hit. He swung aimlessly at a changeup down and away so he could stay in and hit. Ended up rolling over, but I, did, I, I couldn't have cared less because that showed a lot, to me at least, about the compete levels with him, kind of his mentality in a game like this, how he wants to swing and, and stay in there and, and compete. So I was individuality, I'd say the Dene double and then probably Caden Kent's three-and-one strike swinging were, were my two favorite moments of the game. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Donate double for sure. I, and the other guy I wanted to shout out here too is, is uh, Vestine, Jonathan Vestine yeah. from Vanderbilt. Just a really impressive hit tool, quality at bats. I think he played the entire game as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep, he started at, I think, short, short and then shifted second. to second. Yeah, because I think they started Caulfield at, at second base, they did. right? Because they yeah. had Vince on it. They had a bunch of second basemen in the starting lineup, yeah. so they had to figure it out. Um, but you know, scored three times, um, you know, reached base three times, of course, had a hit, a couple of walks. Um, so he actually had five, he had five plate appearances in that game. So really interesting player. Um, maybe not like the loudest tools, but it's just think, a really like I think the most important tool is the hit tool, and he's probably he's got that space. He's just a really good baseball player. Agreed. And like I saw him a few days before the all-star game, and I tweeted about him. Really good actions at shortstop, twitchy athlete, can really handle the barrel. We saw that on full display. I, I think he had two barrels in his three official at-bats. Um, approach is advanced. I think he's got the tools and actions to stick at shortstop. Um, and he was, again, I, I, I was impressed by him as, as I kind of expected I would be. Yeah, and uh, I got video of some of these uh, these arms and bats and stuff. It's just I... Uh... I lost a piece of my uh, video editing equipment as I was transferring down here yesterday. So I got to find that somewhere in my luggage, but I got more videos that <laughs> go up with all this stuff too. Um, I think it's probably enough all-star game home run derby talk. Yeah. I'm kind point. of straining my brain a little bit. To, <laughs> I, I guess the one thing is 
it's tough to say like, oh, I wish that this were the case, but um, I kind of wish that we saw Bazana at shortstop, either at the All-Star game or in Falmouth at all. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in left for the game, but uh, would have liked to have seen him on the dirt, but again. Agree. Yeah. It, it's hard to, to kind of justify moving these other guys out because you look at the lineup again, it's Vastine, Bryce Evelyn, Cam Smith, Elijah Hanlon, Nick, like, it's it's tough to kind of bump one of these guys. So hopefully in Falmouth in the next week and a half, he'll, he'll be at second or short, whoever it might be. But um, I'm trying to think of the East. There was quiet. It was a quiet day for the East squad. I know the West is getting a lot of love. I think James Tibbs had probably the best all-around day of anyone. I know Young won the MVP, but he won the home run derby and then followed it up, had a uh, RBI infield single to drive in the only run for the East. So mm. hard, to, hard to say he didn't have the best day in the East. Yeah, I think it was just a matter of, like, the bats didn't really get going. Um, outside of that final inning, it was a close game. I didn't feel like outside of maybe one appearance or here or there that the East necessarily pitched poorly. Um, you know, I mean, what, how many of the, those runs came across a, a couple of innings? It was, I think, uh, initially, like, Clark and Finley, and then I'm going to mess up this guy's name, but the guy from Princeton – you can Chimaloos. I say Chimaloosi. There's no way it's pronounced Chimaloski. <laughs> we'll go Chimlowski. with that. Yeah, but he had a tough appearance. So did Aiden Mosab against the All-Star game. Like, no. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nobody, like, I hate to phrase it like this, but no one's going to look at these appearances and really care what they did. Yeah. Um, it's more just to, like, see guys flash stuff. And then Lanthier, I think most impressively, uh, recent transfer to Kansas from St. Cloud State, uh, playing for Hyannis up here. Worked himself in and out of trouble, kind of sprayed the ball a little bit, uh, walked the bases loaded, um, and then worked himself out of trouble. He got a strikeout and then a timely 6-4-3 double play. So impressive job by Lanthier and really everyone on the West. I'd say it was a, it was a loud showing. And then Bryce Cunningham slamming the door with, with back-to-back strikeouts. Yeah, for sure. I thought uh, Faraday, too, I thought was interesting because he's got really good stuff. He's obviously a, a West Side guy, but um, somebody didn't mention before. But yeah, you know, it was uh, an interesting all-around day. I don't think it's anything crazy to say that the bats were more excited than the pitching was. But that's kind of been the, uh, the MO of the Cape Cod League, particularly over the last couple of years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we see a lot of impressive hitting prospects and – just the nature of pitching and, you know, injuries and uh, injury prevention in terms of limiting innings, et cetera. Um, it's just a, a much more difficult thing to sort of balance. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the last week in the Cape Cod League and where we're heading uh, standings-wise heading into the final two weeks now, right? Yeah, the final like next week and a half. I yeah, let's say 10 games, maybe yeah. eight games, yeah. But no, standings-wise, largely this. Actually, you know what? Not really. In the West, or excuse me, in the East, we'll start. YD is still holding down first place. They've kind of taken a, I don't want to say stranglehold, but they have some breathing room in first. They lead the second place Orleans Firebirds, who have picked it up, um, to surge into second place. They lead by a point margin of 41 to 34, which is three and a half games. Um, soon followed by Harwich at 31 points, and then Brewster at 28 with Chatham in the basement with 22. But I will say one thing about Chatham. Uh, since Coach Lees has taken over, there has been new life breathed into that team and that lineup and showing fight and competing in every game, most notably. Uh, last week against Ketuit, Ketuit had taken, I think it was a 12-2 lead in the sixth inning or so. Um, and I mean, at that point, in whether it's the Cape League or any baseball, you can kind of write that one off most times. Um, but Chatham, I'd never seen anything like it. Every single ground ball they hit, every single kind of loop into the outfield, found a hole or found some grass. They were able to chip away, tied at 12. Um, the game would get called due to darkness, much to the chagrin, I'd say, of Chatham, because when it got called, they had the bases loaded and just one out. Uh, so kind of the trajectory of that game uh, was not looking like it was going to end in a tie. Uh, if the listeners are picking up what I was going to put, uh, what I'm putting down, <laughs> I think Chatham was probably going to win that game. But nonetheless, prior to Chatham coming back, teams were 0 and 146 in the point streak era, dating back to 2011 when trailing by 10 or more runs. Honestly, unsurprisingly, Chatham can now say that they stand alone with the only team to not lose. So that was really impressive. And then in the West, Ketuit again, as they've done since opening day, they're in first place. But I will say, they're the first team in the league to clinch a playoff berth. They're 23-10-1 and 10 and 1 with 47 points. However, Hyannis is right on their heels at 21-12-2 at 44 points. I'd say right now they're the hottest team in the league. I think winners of 10, 10 of their last 11, running a four-game winning streak. They're getting hot at the perfect time. Cameron Smith and Zach York, that dynamic duo. 
mostly Cam Smith, I'd say, because he's been here for the entire season, and I think he's a legit, um, at least for my money's worth, an MVP candidate at this point, hitting 344 with nine doubles, five home runs, a trio of triples and 19 RBIs. I think at this point he's firmly established himself as a potential first-round pick in 24. And then behind high, it's really Ketuit, 47, Hyannis, 44, and then everyone else, I think. Uh, Falmouth is in third with 36 points at 17 and 16 and two. Bourne is in fourth with 35 at 17, 16 and one. And then Wareham, I think at this point, even regardless of Chatham's point total, uh, they have four points over Chatham. I think that Wareham at this point um, is struggling the most of anyone in the Cape League. They've had a lot of departures um, in their key pieces with Tommy Splain and Nick McLean unintentional rhyme uh and really their big pieces have kind of left so they're really struggling um and i think that the the playoffs again as i've said for the last couple of weeks i think we have seven of these eight teams i think that for some reason chatham can still maybe sneak their way in um but i think that the playoff picture is all but set uh really impressive showing from katuit and hyannis just how it was in 22 um and then also yd who is always really solid east with coach pickler and then Coach Nicholson's Firebirds, um, I, I keep an eye on them in the East as a as a somewhat dark horse. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with the East is it's anybody's game out there still, really, for those those four teams. Um, well, I mean, I suppose like YD's probably going to win the division at this point. Um, they're up by enough points; it wouldn't be a shock, I and mean, certainly Orleans is a shock to catch them, probably less of a shot for, for Harwich and Brewster. But once we get into the playoffs, any of those teams advancing really would shock me. No. I mean, if Brewster comes in as the fourth seed and wins the East division, I, would I don't think blink. anybody would yeah. bat an eye. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Jamie knows how to get, you know, Coach Shevchuk knows how to get his his guys up for big games. Yeah. Um, they yeah. buy him. No, I was going to say in a league that now is like, I guess like it, it's so much of it now is like departures and weathering the storm. Mm-hmm. Coach Shevchuk, like you said, most impressively, he gets the best out of his guys when it matters most. So like if Brewster finishes and conceivably they could finish as high as the two because Orleans at 34 as the two seed right now and Brewster at in the fourth spot at 28, that's only three games. And while it's tough to make up, they could absolutely do it. So a lot to still work out in the East. And then I think in the West, it's really just going to come down to who is one and two and who is three and four, because I think either Katuit or Hyannis will be the one and two seed respectively. And then with Falmouth and Bourne being the three and four respectively. So uh, I know where it's not mathematically out of it, but I am reading the tea leaves a little bit um, as to where we might end up. So, Exciting races at the top, but I think the playoff picture is, is all but set. There aren't going to be any – actually, you know what? Yeah, playoff picture is all but set, I'd, I'd say, except for one team. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. But I think just in terms of, you know, we're heating up, we're heading into the playoffs right now. We have a good idea of who's going to be there. And, you know, we're not necessarily sure what these teams are going to look like because these rosters, especially right the, – the next few days, we'll sort of know, like, who's sticking around, who's got – some time left, um, but we we saw a ton of departures over the last four or five days across the entire league. Um, that certainly has an impact. But just before we start to wrap up here, who's your front runner for MVP right now? 
That's a great question because before we recorded, I was actually looking at it, and you have Hunter Hines, who what he lacks in average, he makes up for in I'd say home runs and RBIs. He is he's leading the league by a decent margin at ten home runs. He's the first player to hit double digit home runs since Bobby Dahlbeck hit 12 in 2015 and it is not out of the realm of possibility that Hines could get to 13 with the way that he's been swinging the bat. Um, he also leads the league with 36 RBIs. So I think it's hard to not have the leading home run hitter and leading RBI guy kind of sort of up near the top of the MVP race. I think Cole Mathis is in there with three tw- hitting 322 with seven doubles, seven home runs, second in RBI with 28. He's also pitched a lot for Katuit. Um, and then I think Cameron Smith, who I talked about a couple minutes ago, is very much in the thick of it. Arguably one of the, I'd say one of the final candidates for it, hitting 344, a league leading nine doubles. Um, he's also got five home runs to his name, three triples, 19 RBI. Um, and he's doing it as a true freshman, which I think is really impressive. Um, and then I think is because how the Cape League does it is what they do is they do an MVP, which is kind of just looking at an ice. And oh, oh my gosh, I, 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 missed, I didn't mention. <laughs> I was about to jump in. <laughs> Derek Bender is obviously on that list too. Leading yes. the league, hitting 385, six doubles, four home runs, and 21 RBIs. And then also in the East, ironically, the two MVPs, Joichiro Oyama, spark plug from Orleans, hitting 369 with eight doubles, a league leading six triples, a pair of home runs. And 11 RBIs. So I think that those are your five or six names, however many I talked about, to kind of focus in on um, as we head into the last 10 days of the season. And then how the Cape League does it is what they do is they also do a top pro prospect award, which is voted on by the scouts. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that we we would name Travis Pazana the top pro prospect in the yeah. league. He's hitting 320, three doubles, three home runs, a pair of triples, 20 RBIs, walking more than he's striking out. Um, and from this chair, he's my personal one, one for 2024. So I, mm, if agreed. the scouts think they're, if people agree upon a better prospect than Travis Bazan at this point, I would, I would be fascinated to hear both who it is and their arguments, because I think that he far and away is the top prospect in this league. Yeah. And I, I think he's a top prospect based on conversations. I know you and I have had with scouts over the last couple of weeks. I think that's the direction it's going. You know, you ask about Pizano or he comes up. It's like, yeah, this guy is unbelievable. You know, very unique player. Wow, is he a lot of fun. Those are some of the quotes that I've gotten on the initial question. So I think scouts feel that he is the best pro prospect. I think Cam Smith has made a case for best pro prospect as well. So yeah. big body. Um, you know, I don't know where he plays long term. He made a really nice play actually going back on the ball in uh, the All-Star game. Sort of a little bit of range there at third yeah. base. He's got um, a plus arm, easy yeah, plus. Yeah, he's got a good arm. I mean, yeah. he played shortstop in high school, which wasn't that long ago. So, right. um, really talented player there, and it's a big league body. I mean, he is whatever oh, six yeah, three, six four. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He passes the eye test through and through. And I think to his credit, you know, the first night I saw Hyannis, and I sort of came back and was like, "This guy's going to strike out a ton." He hasn't struck out that much. I think when we did, one of the most impressive things I thought when we wrote up the hot sheet last week is he had whatever the third best week in the, in the league, according to us. Had a ton of power. I think he had like four or five, maybe even six extra base hits and one strikeout that whole week, playing every single game, seeing a ton of at-bats at you know, the top you know, of that lineup um, for Hyannis. So it's like 
He's, you know, a top four guy in that lineup. He's seen a ton of at-bats. He's been really productive. And he's been consistently productive throughout the season because he has made three consecutive hot sheets. We'll see if he makes the one this week. It depends what he does. So, I mean, he's heated up throughout the season, too. Like, he started kind of slow and has really started to get it going. Yeah, and I think most impressively with Smith is because I think that we left our first Smith look. We got it at different times, granted, but we left our first Smith look kind of thinking, okay, I can kind of see why he struck out a lot at Florida State. The approach at times is inconsistent. There is swing and miss and struggle with spin. I think what the most impressive part about Smith is, because so many times you see a regression in production with guys, you see freshmen in particular really get eaten alive up here, is he's come into his own and blossomed up here. The approach has gotten better. The swing, to the, the swing decisions have gotten better. Mm-hmm. The operation as a whole has gotten better. We've seen him cut out his stride with two strikes and kind of just let his hands work. And, I mean, the natural physicality he has, he can still generate quality impact. And we saw in the All-Star game, he got into a two-strike count, mm-hmm. widened up the base, went no stride, just put an easy swing on an elevated fastball and sizzled the line drive to, I'd say, medium-deep center field, which is a, a huge graveyard. So I'd say – Top pro prospect, it's it's down to Bazana and Smith for me. Uh, I'd give the yeah. nod to Bazana, but, but Smith's certainly in there. And then I think to kind of to go on to the pitching side of things, they only name one most valuable pitcher. <laughs> and with innings limits and guys getting shut down and pulled, but so many guys can qualify for the for the award at this point um, in the season. And I think that like barring something crazy and unforeseen, it's Cam Hill's award to lose at this point yeah um, he's a true starter 20 innings pitch 38 k's just 11 walks 0.96 eras allowed just three earned runs all summer uh fastball up to 96 slider and split change of both flash plus um and then i think that they they also name a reliever of the year and i think based off of this we have our pitcher and reliever of the year kind of set with Derek Clark at Orleans. He's thrown 10 games, only one start, 29 Ks to eight walks in 27 yeah. innings with a one, three ERA pitchability specialist. Um, I think that those are the clear cut guys right now, again, barring in a, an atrocious last start or appearance yeah. for some of these guys. I think that the pitching awards are, are basically set in stone. Yeah. I would be surprised if, uh, Either of those guys don't win because, as you said, it's pretty set in stone. And based on the point that we're at in the season, there's just too much heavy lifting for anybody to really catch up to either of those guys unless they decide to throw like a uh, a seven-inning no-hitter no in a game that's shortened by rain and sun or something like that. Uh, or, or, excuse me, darkness. I said sun, <laughs> darkness. Like I, I don't I don't know how you could catch either of those guys. I think there's a little bit more debate maybe for best pro prospect and that sort of thing. But um Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's those guys. I guess the only other guy, I guess, for I'd say reliever of the year is Cam Schulke, uh the summer the multi slot pitcher, I should say, um, who is gonna be uh holding down Mississippi State's bullpen mm-hmm. uh this spring pitching for to it. 10 appearances. Uh, the ERA is more than double what Clark's is at 375, but he does lead the league with 39 strikeouts. No disrespect to Cam. I'd still probably give the reliever of the year award to Clark. Um, he's been so good for, yeah. for the entire season for Orleans. And he's, he's been their best arm. So uh, Hill and Clark would be my picks for pitcher and reliever of the year, respectively. There we go. We've got all the awards figured out. <laughs> we know what's going to happen in the playoffs and everything else. 
Uh, so there you go. Without further ado, why don't we wrap this up? It's been the Cape Cod Pod. This is Jeff. That's Pete. And we're live. You can do it. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.